Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, lovely ragers. How is everybody doing today? I am doing really, really lovely, actually. I've had kind of a little moment of gratitude just now because I've I've had a lot of really wonderful experiences with the children that I take care of lately, and I just feel really grateful for all of the love that I receive from all of these little kiddos, and it just makes me feel so good. I love caring for them. It's such a good practice in patience and care because... Kids are tough, especially toddlers, and I've been watching a lot of toddlers lately, and then I also watch a nine-year-old who might as well be a 13-year-old who's got quite an attitude on her, but she's also very sweet and thinks I'm cool, so she's pretty nice to me. But I've just had some really sweet encounters, like today I was watching the little three-year-old girl that I've been taking care of about once a week, and she's Wilder's mom's friend's daughter. So there's like kind of a cool connection there. And we, the two of us, me and this little girl just like had an instant connection, which I love. And I'm a very like physically affectionate person with my kiddos, you know, with their permission, of course, like I'm all about like, if you don't want me to hug you or like, if you want to be alone, like that's totally fine. I will listen to your no and accept that that is fine. But I love to give her little back rubs and back scratches and things like that. And we were in her room sitting on this little like seat or she was and I was sitting on the ground because I couldn't fit and we were reading books. And she just started rubbing my back really gently as I was reading. And like, honestly, it it like made me start to tear up. It was just the sweetest thing. It was so comforting. Like yesterday at my retail job, my friend Andrea just like grabbed my hand for a second and we just like held hands. And like, I don't know, there's something about touch and like physical affection from a friend or a loved one in some way where it's not some big like expected show of affection. It's just some little sweet thing that takes you off guard. I mean, it's those little moments that I love so much about my friends and my loved ones. But today when she just started rubbing my back, I just turned, I was like, thank you so much. That feels so nice. That That's very comforting to me. Thank you. She's just so, so sweet. I just love her so much. So, I mean, yes, I just feel very, very thankful. I love the fact that I get to take care of kids because it truly helps me keep that sense of authenticity alive within myself. I mean, kids have no other way of being other than completely 
themselves and vulnerable and authentic and wild and out of control. But I love that part of me as well. So it's really fun for me to be able to care for all of these children. And I'm going on a little bit of a sappy side rant here, but that's just kind of what's going on with me today. That's where I'm sitting. And I am home now. I actually didn't have to take care of my little nine-year-old today. So it's nice that I'm able to get this recording done earlier and I can spend the evening with Max. We don't get to spend a whole lot of time together these days since I literally never stop working. <laughs> um, but he made me a lovely gin cocktail. Actually, he made it for himself and I ended up keeping it. But it's some gin, some tonic water, and some ginger. And I am sitting in my happy place right now. Maybe I'll be slurring my words by the end of this, but Max will actually be joining us for one of the topics today because he is more knowledgeable on the subject as a whole, and he and I have been having some really wonderful conversations on the topic this week, so I thought it would be fun to bring him in so I can actually have a conversation with somebody about it. But let me take a quick sip of my drink and then we will get into the episode. Oh my gosh, I'm dead. I literally just got a text from the mom of the little girl that I was just watching and I must have really tired her out because she was sleeping for her nap for like three solid hours, probably more than that. And that's not like her. The mom actually had to like go in and wake her up. And I was like, oh, is she a happy camper? Because like sometimes when they sleep too long or get woken up, kids can be kind of cranky. I know I can be cranky when I'm woken up ever. But she sent me a picture of the little one smiling. And then she said, she says she misses Madigan. Oh my gosh, I can't handle it. Okay, I'm done gushing over the cuteness. So the first topic I want to talk about today, my subject header is Trump arrest, question <laughs> mark. So for the last week or so, Trump has been telling the nation that he expects to be arrested by the Manhattan DA on Tuesday, March 21st for paying off Stormy Daniels preceding the presidential election in 2016. On March 18th, he posted to his social media platform, Truth Social, in all caps, of course, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protest. Take our nation back. The case centers around a $130,000 payout to Stormy Daniels by Trump's former lawyer Michael Cohen as hush money to keep her quiet during his presidential campaign. The payment was described as legal fees, which prosecutors could argue was falsifying business records, which is illegal. Normally, this crime in New York would be considered a misdemeanor, but prosecutors may assert that the lie was used to violate campaign laws, which would make it a felony. Of course, Trump's post itself has put up alarm bells in many who fear a similar reaction as the Capitol insurrection if Trump were to be arrested. In fact, the words and phrases he's using are incredibly reminiscent of his speeches prior to the insurrection. He made more calls for protest and further posts to Truth Social, stating, We can't just allow this anymore. They're killing our nation as we sit back and watch. When is everyone going to realize that this blob is really just your crazy fucking uncle from Thanksgiving dinner? First of all, allow what? Your arrest? Because it hasn't happened. It is now Thursday at... 5.37 p.m. Pacific time, and you are still free as a birdie, my guy. 
Secondly, and what are you referring to when you say they're killing the nation? I assume they is us, the left. But in this particular post, what are you warning the people of? Are you letting them come to their own assumptions of what you're referring to? Because I'm confused. Another wild and very Trumpian move is that even if he is indicted, he would still continue his 2024 campaign because, get this, criminal indictment or even a conviction would not prevent him from doing so. There is nothing in U.S. law that prevents a candidate who is found guilty of a crime from campaigning for or serving as president, even from prison. Yet, felons can't vote? Even after they're released, someone make this make sense. Trump may not be the only prisoner running in the presidential race for 2024. Jeremy Michael Brown, who is facing charges related to the January 6th insurrection, plans on running his campaign from Pinellas County Jail, where he is being held on felony federal weapons charges stemming from his arrest for misdemeanor, trespassing, and disruptive conduct in connection to the attack at the U.S. Capitol. Well, while we continue to wait and see if an indictment and arrest comes through for Trump, major cities have prepared extra police and precautions in case a riot breaks out. Street barricades were put up on Monday outside the prosecutor's office and Manhattan's criminal court in preparation for Tuesday, just in case. There has also been increased security around Trump Tower. Also, every member of the NYPD was ordered to be in full uniform, including plainclothes detectives, on Tuesday. And I guess there were also precautions put up in Florida near his Mar-a-Lago home. And there were also some precautions put up in Los Angeles, I guess, just because major cities might be where people convene to protest. I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah, we're just going to sit on our hands and wait or stare at our watches and see if this arrest actually happens or not. Honestly, anything can happen these days. It wouldn't surprise me if the man gets indicted, charged, sent to prison, and he still wins the 2024 election. Like, I would not be shocked. I think I'm starting to fully believe that we are living in a simulation. All right, the next topic hits really close to home for me, quite literally, and I want to talk about the LAUSD strike. Now, LAUSD is the second largest school district in the nation, and classes have been canceled for the last three days in a row as roughly 30,000 LA school workers strike for increased wages and better working conditions. Though the teachers are in full support, the strikers are school staff such as custodians, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, and other student service staff. After unsuccessful negotiations the past year, picketers took to the streets on Monday to make their voices heard. Now, when I say this hits close to home, this is what I mean. I literally live directly across the street from an elementary school. We hear their announcements every morning, you know, any music playing. I'm I'm in it. I'm right there, right? And I, it must have been Monday morning. I woke up early and I had to get in the shower and I can hear the Macarena blaring and it's like probably 745 in the morning and I'm like, who the fuck is partying right now? Because there are definitely people in my neighborhood and in my area who will just like set up boom boxes outside and play music and it drives me insane, especially if I'm trying to record. Um, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is so annoying. I kept hearing car horns blaring and repeatedly like beep, 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 beep. And I was like, whoever is blocking the street fucking move. And I'm like getting really, really frustrated, right? So I leave the bathroom to grab a towel before I step into the shower and I'm like, what is going 
going on? And Max was like, it's the strike. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm not mad about that at all. Be louder. Like, do more. This is great. But uh, yeah, I was super annoyed for like five seconds before I realized what was going on. Then I was ready to step outside, but I had to go to work. I'm going to post the video of me stepping out of the shower with the Macarena playing because it's it's pretty loud. I'll show you how loud it was in my house. The union members say they feel undervalued with low wages they're given, minimal staffing, and inadequate hours, even though they provide essential services to LAUSD students. I remember a strike a few years ago with LAUSD school staff and teachers where they were asking for more school nurse accessibility, and I couldn't believe that a school full of children wouldn't have a full-time nurse. Like, that is preposterous to me. I mean, I was very, very lucky. I was able to go to private school for the first eight years, nine years of my education. The first school that I went to, we had a student's mother working in the nurse's office. I have no idea what her nurse qualifications were, but she was always there during school hours if any of us needed, you know, our temperature taken or to lay down or, you know, call home, anything like that. Lynn in the office was always there. And then I went to a different middle school and I remember that we only had a school nurse like once a week. I think it was on like Thursday afternoons. And I was so confused by this. Like that seemed so random to me. I remember once I got a bee sting on my eye. And like this will always just remind me of this horrible, horrible school. This was such bad experiences. But the only thing they really had for you in the nurse's office was this like mini cooler that was filled with like frozen sponges. Like they would put the sponge in water, put it in a Ziploc bag, and then throw it in the freezer. And that's like your ice pack that you would get. And it always kind of smelled like moldy sponge. It was, ugh, it was so gross. I'm like getting flashbacks right now thinking about it. Which, by the way, is method acting, everybody. I'm so sick of hearing about Austin Butler and his voice changing and whatever. And like, oh, if I'm playing a drinker, I'm going to get drunk. That's method acting. That's fucking not what it is. It's sense memory. What I just did right now was method acting. You're welcome. Someone send me an Oscar. Anyways, I couldn't believe that there wasn't a nurse around very often, but I didn't go to that school for very long. My high school, though it was a public school, was like really, really well equipped and we had fantastic nursing staff and everything like that. But, you know, when I was taking care of tea, they rarely had a nurse on campus. And I really couldn't believe it because this is a school that's given a lot of money. It's a charter school, but like there's a lot of businesses that support the school. There's a lot of wealthy families that support the school. So it was really shocking to me. I mean, that school has freaking farm animals, yet they can't afford to have a school nurse for students that need it. Like that doesn't make any sense for me. Anyways, as the strike goes on, more than 1,000 schools and 500,000 students have been missing classes. The union has stated that they plan to return to school on Friday. Today, Thursdays, the strikers met for a rally at the Los Angeles State Historic Park, where the union members issued their strong, unified call for LAUSD to bargain fairly. According to the union, the average salary for them is about $25,000 per year, which leaves many needing to work second jobs to make ends meet. I can state from experience, this is not enough money to live on. I am a person that lives so incredibly paycheck to paycheck. Los Angeles is such an expensive city. I 
pay for two dogs and myself. I can't imagine trying to raise a family in this environment where everything is becoming more and more expensive, yet our essential workers are not being respected in the way that they deserve to be and paid the way that they deserve to be. I mean, there's so many workers that are undervalued. I would include myself in this. That it's just, it's it's unlivable, truly. It's, that is That amount is not livable in Los Angeles. Maybe it is in other parts of the country, but not here. Union worker Adrian Alvarez told CNN, We live in this weird paradox as workers to help feed children, and yet we struggle to feed our own children. We help students go to college, yet we don't have enough money to send our kids to college. On Wednesday, the district stated that they had been in conversation with the school workers union and is working to resolve the strike. In a statement, they said, We continue to do everything possible to reach an agreement that honors the hard work of our employees, corrects historic inequities, maintains the financial stability of the district, and brings students back to the classroom. We are hopeful these talks continue and look forward to updating our school community on a resolution. Superintendent Alberto Carvalho admitted on Tuesday that the strike was the result of a years-long, quote, crescendo of frustration on behalf of the workers. He told CNN, we should not be depriving our students an opportunity to learn. And I resent and disagree with this statement. We are giving these students an opportunity for learning. We should be telling our kids about the importance of fair and equal wages and normalizing this conversation because one day our kids are going to be the adults making these decisions. And hopefully they will do better to shift more funds toward the people who are truly the backbone of every school, what they deserve. Like it's ridiculous. This is a learning opportunity just because the kids Just because the kids aren't sitting in a classroom doesn't mean they aren't gaining an education over the last three days. So my mom was actually a lunch lady first at my private school, but then she worked in my school district at the public school. I'm going to call her really quick, and I'm just going to see what she has to say about all of this. Hey, kiddo. Hey, you're on the podcast right now. I'm recording. Are you okay? I am. (laughs) I'm recording. You're <laughs> so, recording me? Yeah, you're you're also on the microphone right now. I'm just holding my phone up, but I wanted to call you and get you on a recording because I'm talking about the LAUSD workers strike. And oh. yeah, and so the people who are on strike are people like the custodians, but also the cafeteria workers. And I was telling the listeners that wow. you were a lunch lady for a long time and that first you were at the private school, but then you went on to work in the same district as my public school. And I just wanted to know, what, what do you have to say about that? Well, first of all, um, I was not just a lunch lady. I was a proud to be a lunch lady. Oh, I know. I loved, loved the kids. I mean, that was, that was the best part besides loving to work with food too. Um, so I'm just wondering, they probably have a, um, the federal, uh, free lunch program. That's that's actually a really good question. I don't know about the actual program, but I know that they're saying that they're understaffed and that the staff that they do have is not getting paid. They're getting paid something like, I just had this in my notes, but I think it's like 25,000 a year, like really not that much money, not even 30,000. Yeah. And I just, you know, I was paid by the hour and the more um, schooling that I got, 
uh, the more money I could make. But they, but the public school that I worked for also paid for the schooling. So I had to get so many hours of um, like classroom work um, per section. And once I was done with all of that, uh, my pay raise went up. Right. And then, um, and then you could easily, you know, every year get your, your certification or whatever. I'm wondering Um, if, I'm wondering if really the LA school district then is just not allocating their funds correctly because they were talking about the school nursing situation as well and how they don't have like full-time nurses on staff at schools. And I remember at my public high school, there was always staff in the nurse's office and things like that. So I wonder if this is really like a Los Angeles school district issue. I mean, and it sucks because they're the second largest district in the nation. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that the, did you know the students haven't been in school for the last three days? Because of the, um, because of the strike. The strike. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just, it's not just a protest. It is actually a strike. Oh yeah. There's, they've been in the streets. They, they met at like this historic park today to kind of state all of their, you know, desires and wants from the strike. Mm -hmm. But um, you'll hear about it more on the episode tomorrow when I publish it. But I was just thinking about you because I was talking about uh, they are described as cafeteria workers. I will always call you a lunch lady because that's what you are in my eyes. But um, I just want to give I want to give you a call and um, right. Talk to Um, someone about it. I'm pretty sure they're probably on a free a federal free lunch program. But that that has to do with the students that doesn't have to do with the lunch workers. But um, I also know about the the nursing staff. They don't have, they can't afford a nurse. Yeah, in a lot of these, a lot. Oftentimes, they will have parents that volunteer to put a band aid on. Yeah, I mean, we kind of. I was just talking about Lynn. That's kind of what we had at my exactly at my elementary school. And that was a private school, but it's true in public school too. I think. Um, Yeah, I would say that overall, I don't care what line of work you're in. Everybody deserves to earn a living wage. Yeah. And that is not the case almost across the board. Yeah. And I mean, and I was educated with a, a, a college degree, which that doesn't always guarantee it either, but people, which you didn't even have. (laughs) No, exactly. And, and and I was not considered probably making a living wage either. I'm sure. No, but we had, we had dad. So it wasn't like you were, you know, supporting me on your own. Yeah. Still be making a living wage. I don't care what their, what their education is. If they're working, they need to be paid a living wage. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, especially in Los Angeles, that needs to change. We both know how expensive oh. it is for me to live here. Oh my gosh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so things need to change, and I don't blame them for walking out. No. I think it will set a good example for other areas of of schooling or yeah. Uh, whatever other kind of other group other unions in. that feel like they want to stand up and do the same thing. I totally agree. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering right. my call. I'm, I am okay. I'm doing very well. <laughs> okay. All right. Love you, honey. I love you, mom. Bye. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard the rage on at the very end there, but she did squeeze it in. Um, I love her. She's the best, but yeah, I wanted to call the, uh, the lunch lady in my life and get her, her voice heard for a sec, but yeah, she worked in food service for like a really long time and went back and got a lot of schooling and I've always been real proud of my mom and now you got to hear her a little bit. Well, I had another topic 
planned, but we're getting pretty far into the episode and I still have a whole other topic to get to. So let's take a quick commercial break and listen to our sponsors and then we will come back. And when we're back, I will have Mr. Max Ram with me. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. And I am with my lovely boyfriend, Max, who you've all met before. Hi, Max. Hi, how's it going? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking me. So (laughs) I wanted to talk about... The controversy surrounding the NHL, the National Hockey League, we don't talk about them very often on this show. Um, they're controversial, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I talk more about sports than I feel like any other feminist podcast does just because we talk so much about sports and have like conversations. It's my fault. It's his fault, yeah. But like, we always have. Sports Center or ESPN on, especially in the morning. So I feel like I'm inundated with a lot of that stuff, which is great. Um, but as a person who is not super knowledgeable on hockey, explain what the NHL Pride Nights are. Well, they have different nights for different uh, celebrations. Um, I know a lot of teams do a Black History Month night where they all wear special jerseys uh, designed by artists, and um, some of the Pride Night ones might just have a um, a rainbow through the logo. They look really cool. They look great. But how long do you think they've been doing Pride Night specifically? Because I feel like since we've met, I've kind of like known about it. Is it like a relatively yeah, new thing? I don't know exactly. I know at least a handful of seasons. Okay, so like probably for a few years, but it hasn't been around like... It wasn't around when you were growing up. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't remember anything like this. I know, I feel like a lot of these are money-making opportunities and right. for charity, too. A lot of these are donated to um, 
these players will wear these warm-up jerseys in the warm-ups before the game, and then they will auction them off, usually. Yeah. So some nights uh, might go the team, but I do know with the Pride I actually Pride do night, have some of that in my oh, notes, actually. So great. Awesome. <laughs> so there have been several teams in the NHL that have announced Pride Nights, and then many of them have then planned on doing so and then backed out. For example, my home team, the Minnesota Wild, were due to have their Pride Night on March 7th, but they opted out of wearing their Pride jerseys that had been designed for the game. And they'd also initially set up a website for people People, like fans to go and vote for like their favorite design of the jerseys mm-hmm. but then like without notice the website just like went away and it was deleted and nothing was ever really talked about and the wild did not participate in pride night but no, a couple others uh chicago just announced they won't Yes. Oh my gosh, you're so ahead of I'm me ahead. in my nose. Wow. I was going to mention that most recently, the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks, see, aren't I doing great? Aren't I good, good at my job? Um, so, of course. <laughs> so the Chicago Blackhawks came forward saying uh, that they were opting out, but so have the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. And That's weak. <laughs> yeah, right. But okay, so the Blackhawks, do you know this? Because they're saying that they are backing out due to safety concerns because they have one Russian player and then two other players that are like connected to Russia in different ways. So they're claiming that management and the security team has decided not to participate, not the players. It is but so them. ridiculous. Okay, so you find that to be bullshit? Oh, of course. Okay, why do you think that's bullshit? Uh, many reasons. Um, this is bigger than that, way bigger than that, just yeah. uh, the whole night, just making sure more people are uh, seen and heard from. There's so many fans out there of all different... Different types uh, of diversity. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, totally. But like the thing that... I don't get because I was reading too that like the worst that's going to happen if because there is a law that Vladimir Putin passed in Russia for like against endorsing anything to do with the LGBTQIA community. And if they were to be like, I guess, charged with any crimes, it would just be a massive fine. It doesn't actually sound like there would be any sort of like harm to them physically. So that's why I was a little bit were wary about the fact that they were saying it was a, con- a security concern for their player. Yeah, and there's already players of Russian descent who have participated, even this season. Okay. Uh, my favorite team, the Dallas Stars. Yes. They just did it a couple nights ago. Yep. Everyone wore it, went off without a hitch. They have uh, one Russian player in their lineup. No issues there. Yeah. Nothing was said. So it's just, it's weak to me. It's, yeah. Um, it's caving into uh, people's opinions that uh, shouldn't matter. Good point, sweetheart. So brothers Eric and Mark Stahl, who both play for the Florida Panthers, did not participate in the pregame skate because they declined to wear the Pride Night warm-up sweaters, citing their religious beliefs. So this I didn't is, know that. I thought all of them wore it. Oh, that's ooh. Yeah. So this is their. This was their little. Never statement cared here. about them, but I don't like them. No. Well, now <laughs> we really don't like them, right? So their state. The two brothers put out a statement together that said, "After many thoughts, prayers, and discussions." Oh come on. Right. <laughs> we have chosen not to wear a Pride Night jersey tonight. We carry no judgment on how people choose to live their lives and believe that all people should be 
welcomed in all aspects of the game of hockey. Then put on the damn sweater. Right? Come on. <laughs> having said that. Not hard. But having said that, they say. Let's walk of back on course. that statement. We feel that by us wearing a pride jersey, it goes against our Christian beliefs. We hope that you can respect this statement. We will not be speaking any further on this matter and would like to continue to focus on the game and helping the Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup. I curse your chances for the Stanley Cup right here in this moment. They won't do it. They won't. No, there's <laughs> no I've never even heard of them. Like, well, who are you? Um, <laughs> San Jose Sharks goaltender James Reimer sat out. On, am I saying his name right, Reimer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sat out in warm-ups as well. Thank you. When the team held its Pride Night, also citing his religious beliefs, stating... I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority in my life. (laughs) I strongly believe that every person has value and worth, and the LGBTQIA plus community, I'm surprised he added all the letters, like all others, should be welcomed in all aspects (laughs) of the game of hockey. Then why aren't you joining it? It makes no sense. Luckily, clearly don't respect all people then. Clearly, clearly. yeah. It's, like it's your, sta- <laughs> your statements are hypocritical. They're not making any, they're counteracting each other. So the first openly gay player to be under NHL contract, Luke Prokop, has some words for these homophobic and cowardly players. He said in a tweet, I share the disappointment in what feels like a step back for inclusion in the NHL. Pride Nights and Pride Jerseys play an important role in promoting respect and inclusion for all the LGBTQIA plus community, and it's disheartening to see some teams no longer wearing them or not fully embracing their significance, while the focus of others has become about the players who aren't participating rather than the meaning of the night itself. Everyone is entitled to their own set of beliefs, but I think it's important to recognize the difference between endorsing a community and respecting individuals within it. Pride Nights are an essential step toward fostering greater acceptance and understanding in hockey, and I strongly believe that by prioritizing diversity and inclusion, we can create an environment where every player feels comfortable bringing their authentic selves to the game. As someone who aspires to play on an NHL team one day, I would want to enter the locker room knowing I can share all parts of my identity with my teammates. While there's still progress to be made before hockey is for everyone, I'm optimistic about the change we can achieve and am committed to being a part of it. Luke. Perfectly said. Right? Just absolutely every word was perfect. Yeah. And it's just like, it made me think about, like, I think it put a reality to the fact that there are so many different types of people that play these typically like macho sports yeah, and like grow. So you grew up as a hockey player. Can you imagine what it would have been like in like the two thousands for like a gay no player? No, no. As no. far as I know, <laughs> there, there could have been teammates uh, who were, but um, definitely but not yeah, out. No, no way. Because it wouldn't I have been safe. Imagine, no, it would have been, um, they would have been outcast. Yeah. And probably like beaten up, not by you. You would have been great. You no, I can. Yeah, it, it it depends. I can see some teams definitely happening. I can I can almost say for certain. I don't think that would happen with any team I was on, just because there's uh, way more repercussions with that, and that's. Um, yeah. But I, I can't. I can't I mean, speak I can't for anything. Even, that's I going to I can't imagine deep. like a coach or anyone being okay with that kind of treatment, especially in like youth hockey. Like if you're beating up your teammates or something, exactly. I hope that there would be like you know major repercussions for that. But I mean, people are shitty though, people, right? Exactly. Especially in those sports worlds, people are. Um, it it attracts a lot of 
people who say they have Christian values and they say that they're just uh, good people and all that. A lot of this like, lines up with the MAGA point of view, too. Yeah. Or it's like, respect the the sin or not the sin or whatever that line is. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I can Ooh, love the ugh. sinner, but I don't love them for like the sin that they're creating. And like, that's why the, the wording in their statements were so upsetting too, because it's like the lifestyle you chose. It's just so like, what a choice. It's, yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah. Choice. it's because if, if it come truly on. were a choice, then what, what dude playing hockey would want would come out then if it truly was a choice and you could choose to not be gay and be a yeah. hockey player? Even football, there's, and, oh, there's, a, there's pro players who are gay now, and it's uh, it's I mean, it's a huge it's very, step. very impressive for these people to come out in these situations because very they're opening inspiring. themselves up to bad treatment from a lot of people who are not afraid of keeping their mouths. It's an extremely <laughs> closed minded place in the world and um i'm hoping that it gets better i'm a i'm a huge sports fan it just it takes my mind away from some of the horrible stuff in our world and it's an escape and everybody has their escapes and i really enjoy that yeah there's nothing wrong with being a sports fan but i think just the worst but that's why it takes sports fans like you and i think also a vast majority it's just that there really is this like loud minority that's Mm -hmm. just in your face about things but i really think that hopefully we're going toward a time where sports in general are more accepting i mean we've talked about how surprisingly homophobic figure skating is you know what i mean like i'm hoping that as time goes on all sports will be more accepting but especially sports that have such a history of like the fucking patriarchy and machismo and you know gotta have your men being men and be tough you know what i mean <laughs> so hopefully there will be some changes but thank you for joining me and talking about this yeah, I it's wanted, nice to sit in for i wanted second. your support so thank you i love you very much and you continue to enjoy your gin drink i was just raving about it to the listeners it's very good it is very very good mine's empty I need another one. So thank you for having me. All right. Kiss me. I'm sure I'll be back sometime. Kiss me. All right. Well, (laughs) I'm so thankful that Max popped on with me for a moment and that my mom got to have her two cents. I hope that y'all enjoyed the the little members of my family joining in on this episode. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you have any news topics that you want to share with me to cover for next week, I am always looking forward to your recommendations. So please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. I do want to say, because I forgot to mention at the top, there is a new Patreon There is a new Patreon episode that is live and available for you to listen to if you want to become a member of the Angry Feminist Book Club. I'm having so much fun. I'm really enjoying these episodes. I released the first episode covering the book Women Talking by Miriam Taves just a few days ago. And coming up in the next week or so, there will be another new episode covering the book, but discussing the true story and the author behind the book. So it's going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be a really, really great episode. I'm looking forward to this week's coming uh, full-length episode as well. So stay tuned for all of those goodies. If you want to join the Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or hit the link in the show notes or on the Instagram page. And you can join the Angry Feminist Book Club at the $5 level. And if you want to get these 
And if you want to get these episodes ad-free, you can join the $8 Feminist Faves tier. And yeah, I think I'm actually going to start recording some extra little things to put into the Feminist Faves tier as well, like little story times or just times that I want to pop on and maybe chat with you all about some feelings. Maybe I'll cover the story that I wasn't able to talk about in this week's mini episode. I don't know. Just stay tuned. There's going to be lots of amazing things coming up on the Patreon. So be sure to click on that link and get involved if you're able to. All right, that is everything that I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. America's real history is one of giants who overcame all odds overcame slavers and robber barons. And what did we do? Well, everyone knows we invented the internet, but we also invented the middle class, the five-day work week, the teenager, the automobile and the space race, and we're just getting started. We've been through far more chaotic times than this one with some of the most incredible leaders on the planet, and they're ready for us to pick up where they left off. Our real origins connect us back to reality, each other, and a whole new cinematic universe to empower and inspire. My name's Matthew Cook, and I'm the host of American Origin Stories, now playing wherever you get your podcasts, or you can learn more at realm.fm.